This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala ibadihi ladina stafa wa ba'd. All praise is indeed due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless him and all his companions and every single one of us. Also, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us the fasting that we have been engaged in and to accept from us the standing in Salatul Qiyam that we have been engaged in and to make us from amongst those who can be rewarded with Jannah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those who can observe as many etiquettes of the month of Ramadan as possible. Believe me, the month of Ramadan is a season. And that season is there for myself and yourselves to automatically improve ourselves if we are to fulfill the etiquettes of the month. So, if we are to fulfill whatever we are required to fulfill during this month, automatically we will come out of the month much better people. May Allah grant that to us. This evening we completed Surah Al-Ma'idah and as I mentioned yesterday, there is mention in this Surah of several items that are prohibited when it comes to consumption as well because it is a laid tablecloth and on the laid tablecloth, what do we expect besides food? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to abstain from haram. In the verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how important it is for us to be careful regarding labeling items halal or haram when we don't know. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la tuharrimu tayyibati ma ahallallahu lakum wa la ta'tadu. O you who believe, do not consider as unlawful that which we have purified and made lawful for you. Because that is now transgressing the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah does not like those who transgress the limits. So from this verse we learn that just as it is so bad to label something halal when it is haram, it is also as bad to label something haram when it is halal. And this is why we have been taught that there are three categories. There is that which is halal which is clear. There is that which is haram which is clear. The halal we eat from, partake in. The haram we abstain from and we stay far away from. And in the middle, there are certain items, Allah knows the ruling, but we as human beings might not know exactly what it is. In that case, we abstain. We are not allowed to partake. This is why when it comes to whether it's allowed to eat or not, there's only two rulings. It's either yes or no. There is no maybe in Islam. Because if you know it's halal, the answer is yes, eat. If you know it is haram, the answer is abstain. And if you don't know, the answer is still abstain. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us understanding. This is clear in the hadith of An-Nu'man ibn Bashir in Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have said, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّن وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّن وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورٌ مُشْتَبِهَاتٌ لَا يَعْلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ 
فمن اتقى الشبهات فقد استبرأ لدينه وعرضه ومن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام the hadith says halal is clear haram is clear in the middle there is there are certain items that may not be very clear whoever falls into these items has fallen into haram and whoever abstains from these items has protected themselves and their deen we ask allah's protection so after that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the prohibition of intoxicants in the powerful verse that i'm sure a lot of us would have heard many times يا ايها الذين امنوا انما الخمر والميسر والانصاب والازلام رجس رجس من عمل الشيطان فاجتنبوه لعلكم تفلحون الله سبحانه وتعالى speaks about several categories of items and from amongst them he mentions intoxicants and he mentions gambling and he says these are from the handiwork of shaitan and you should stay far away from them you see when it comes to certain items that are extremely dangerous allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says don't even go near them like this one here he says fajtanibu which means stay far away from it like in zina he says wala taqrabu zina you won't find a verse in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Az-zina haram, but zina is haram, adultery is haram, we know that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, don't even go near it. The same applies to intoxicants and gambling. Allah says, don't even go near. There is a clear question in the next verse. Allah says, فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُنْتَهُونَ Are you going to leave it? Are you not going to leave it? A question. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum understood from this verse, total prohibition. They threw it so much so that they poured it, the streets of Medina, it is reported, were like rivers of alcohol, the, rem- the remnants of the intoxicant liquid that they had. May Allah protect us. In this verse, drugs are included. Umar radiallahu anhu says, Al-Khamru ma khamar al-Aqlu. The word khamr is anything that covers your mind, that intoxicates you. So the same verse prohibits intoxicants of any nature, whether it is a drug, whether it is anything else that is used for the same purpose. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect our youngsters and ourselves as well. Remember, for those who who have been tested with this issue of drugs, it's not too late to say goodbye to that bad habit, to kick it right out. I want to give an example of a certain man. For many years he was an addict of alcohol. And one day he heard a lecture and he tells me that I heard in the lecture you said that we kick that bad habit to achieve the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In his late 60s, he gave that habit up. And wallahi, he transformed into such a beautiful human being, such a good human being. And he tells me, you can give my example. If you want to talk about me, you can talk about me, you can even say my name. But we won't say his name inshallah. But the example here is that if there is a will, there is a way. If you want to give it up, you can say goodbye now. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us some form of benefit from this month of Ramadan. Wallahi, the biggest achievement that an addict can receive from a month like this is to give up his bad habit of addiction. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect all those who have that habit from the habit itself. May Allah take them out. Many are grappling. They don't want to be in it. 
But wallahi, we stretch to you a hand of assistance. Come and grab it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really open their doors. May He protect us and our offspring. It is such a bad habit. Many are in disguise. Allah protect us. And those are the ones we are addressing openly to say, look, seek assistance. Admit your fault and your problem. Because there are so many wives out there who are suffering. So many family members are suffering, parents are suffering, children are suffering, and it is becoming a disease. It seems like the Western world is promoting it for a reason, and we are falling prey to it. And I want to spend a moment to explain what I've just said. If you follow Islam, it automatically makes you a leader. It automatically makes you a person who has qualities of leadership. So naturally, you become a threat to those who want to lead because there are many more people who have good qualities. Now when they don't want you to even be a threat to them, they start promoting the issue of gays and lesbians and the issue of this and that and all sorts of things and drugs and intoxicants and what have you. Now there is promotion of the period of gestation being held by a male. May Allah protect us. They are promoting this and they are cheering the people on. In Britain, if you are a gay, the stipend monthly that you would get is far more than if you are a normal person. And they are promoting it. One of the reasons that we as ulama and the, the Muslim ummah have cited is because they do not want anyone who has leadership qualities. I want to give you another example. If a person has a big tattoo on their forehead, would you ever vote for them as president? The answer is no. If someone has a huge necklace with three chains hanging from the ears, may Allah protect us, would you vote for them as president or as leader of your company? The answer is no. So naturally, the minute a person becomes enslaved by all the tattoos they have, people are happy with them. But this person is no longer a threat now. We've kicked them out. They've dealt with themselves. Now we can, we can do whatever we want. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's protection. Really, it is a habit that our children don't ever even try it. We say, don't try it, but be honest with you, a person who visits the nightclub, without knowing they may already be on drugs, 90% of the time there is what is known as atmospheric ecstasy. They put it into the air conditioning system. When you go into the nightclub, you feel nice and high, as they say, without realizing you're on a drug, even though you can swear you didn't have anything. You were breathing it, they put it there for you, so you come back to that nightclub. Allah protect us. This is why don't even go to those nightclubs and so on. It is the, this is why Allah says, Ijtanibuhu, stay far away from it. And this is why you need to make sure your friends are those who don't even smoke a cigarette. Because that is the first step. May Allah protect us all. And obviously all due respect to those who have bad habits, it's a bad habit. It even says it on the box. You want to read it, read it again. Now they're saying it kills you. So we have to talk about it because really it's there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help all those who have even the bad habit of cigarettes, give it up. May Allah help us to use this month of Ramadan to at least eradicate or cut it down. Wallahi, it is a, a very, very big achievement if we use a month like this. So blessed to do something so noble as to give up our bad habits. Amen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about these bad habits. Then... He gives a very, very positive statement for those who have been on the habit in the past and then repented and turned. He says, for you, if you are going to do good deeds, don't worry about what happened in the past. Allah says, for you still is forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Listen to the verse. 
ليس على الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات جناح فيما طعموا إذا متقوا وآمنوا وعملوا الصالحات ثم اتقوا وآمنوا ثم اتقوا وأحسنوا والله يحب المحسنين there is no punishment, no sin upon the one who had had that habit in the past. They repented, they came into iman, they did good deeds, they are conscious of Allah. They would never go back to that bad habit. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they will become from amongst the pure and good and Allah loves those who are pure and good. Which means Allah loves those who have given up their bad habits for His sake. May Allah make us from amongst them. Amen. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues thereafter, to mention something very powerful. It is connected to hunting in the condition of ihram. When a person is in the condition of ihram, it's prohibited to hunt. So Allah says, intentionally, to test you, we will bring about certain beautiful animals in front of you, just to watch. Do you hunt them in the condition you are not allowed, or do you not? And Allah says, we are just doing that to test you. Amazing. Now one wonders, why will that happen? This verse might be applying only to hunting animals, but Allah tests all of us. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu layabluwannakumullahu bishay'in minasayidi tanaluhu aydikum warimahukum liya'lamallahu man yakhafuhu bilghayb. Allah says, O oh you who believe, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test you with some of these animals of hunting that will be very close to your reach and to your hand and your arrows in order to test you. Who fears Allah unseen? Who fears Allah unseen? And this applies to all of us. In our lives, there are so many opportunities of committing sin that Allah may put in front of us to test us who is ready to abstain. One might ask, but why? There is a simple answer. There are two acts of worship. An act of worship by doing something and an act of worship by abstaining from something. The spirituality that is nurtured or the spirituality that grows when you do an act of worship is different from the spirituality that grows when you abstain from an act of sin. There are two different angles. So if you want to develop your spirituality, one angle of it will be achieved by doing deeds. You read your salah, you read your Quran, you receive such an amount of blessings that you will feel it. And there is a different department of spirituality that we need to develop in order to holistically deal with that whole spiritual being that we are, and that is to abstain from haram. This is why when you learn mathematics, you have one plus one, and then you also have one minus one. Because you need to know not only plus signs, you also need to know what the minus sign does. May Allah protect us. So, it is important for us to know that sometimes there will be opportunities in front of us to commit sin. It is a test from Allah only to watch. Who is going to fear Allah and allow that development of themselves? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us abstain from sin. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us abstain from all forms of sin, whether minor or major, even bad mouthing, uttering swear words. Do you know that it is disrespectful from a sharia aspect to speak slang, even to your own friends? Amazing. 
It's in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that if you speak slang, your respect will be reduced. We are not saying it's haram, obviously. I mean, we are all guilty, including myself, of saying words that might not be that clear English language or whatever language we are speaking. But try it. If you speak only clear-cut language and eradicate the slang, automatically your respect, the level of respect that people have of you is lifted up. It, it automatically grows. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all understanding and protection. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us thereafter that the duty of the messenger is only to convey the message. He cannot shove hidayah down your throat. Hidayah is not in the messenger's hand. And the messenger here referring to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and thereafter anyone who brings us a message. That is just the message. And they do not have the ability to grant you guidance, but they are only conveying the message. مَا عَلَى الرَّسُولِ إِلَّا الْبَلَاغُ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مَا تُبْدُونَ وَمَا تَكْتُمُونَ The duty of the messenger is only to convey the message. Allah knows what is in the hearts, what you show and what you hide. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to take heed whenever we hear the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to make mention of how when the messengers have delivered the message, they will be asked on the day of Qiyamah, when Allah gathers them all, Allah will say, how were you received by your people? What a powerful question. يَوْمَ يَجْمَعُ اللَّهُ الرُّسُلَ فَيَقُولُ مَاذَا أُجِبْتُمْ قَالُوا لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ The day that Allah gathers all the messengers, He will ask them, How were you received? How was your message received? They will answer together saying, We do not know, Ya Allah. You know the unseen. You know what they did. And you know what they did even after we left. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Thereafter, he will ask all the messengers, one after the other. They will bear witness that they've delivered the message. And those who were with them will bear witness that the message was delivered. We too will bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam delivered the message. This is why Hajjatul Wada' the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked a question with tears in his eyes. He says, Al-Ballaghtu, have I conveyed the message? They said, yes. He says, Allahumma fashhad. He says, oh Allah, you bear witness. They all said, yes, I've delivered the message. Subhanallah. That is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah says, he will then ask Isa alayhi salam, Jesus may peace be upon him. Because as you know, a lot of people are Christian who worship Jesus. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the day of Qiyamah, وَإِذْ قَالَ اللَّهُ يَا عِيسَ بْنَ مَرْيَمْ Remember, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Isa or Jesus, the son of Mary. The past tense is used to refer to the future because for Allah, there is no tense. Time is a creature of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Future, present and past to Allah is all one. To us, He has created us and put us into what we know as present tense. For Him, there is nothing like that because time is a creature. And our minds are too small to understand even just what we've said ourselves. So Allah says on that day, we will ask Jesus, the son of Mary, did you tell the people? 
وأمي إلهين من دون الله. Oh Jesus, did you tell the people that worship me and my mother as two gods besides Allah? Did you instruct the people to worship you, O oh Jesus? And Jesus, may peace be upon him, will answer, Subhanak, oh, praise be unto you, O oh Allah, O oh my Creator. مَا يَكُونُ لِي أَنْ أَقُولَ مَا لَيْسَ لِي بِحَنْقُ How dare I utter words that I have no right to utter. Subhanallah. I did not tell anybody to worship me, O Allah. I told them, worship my creator, the one who created myself and yourselves. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all an understanding. This is the message. And it's a very, very clear message at the end of Surah Al-Ma'idah. After Allah makes mention of that laid tablecloth that was sent down for the people of Jesus, may peace be upon him. Then Allah says, we will ask him on the day of judgment this question and this is what his answer will be. The lesson is for all those who have taken him as a God besides Allah. Meaning besides the creator, besides the one who has made us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. The next surah is Surah Al-An'am. Surah Al-An'am, named after the cattle, there are several categories of cattle mentioned in the surah, and this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named it Surah Al-An'am. In it, there are many messages for us all, and at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there were many incidents that occurred that have been clarified in this particular surah, and Allah gives them the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the examples of those who have passed. Let me give you one or two. Allah says, أَلَمْ يَرَوْ كَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ مِنْ قَرْنٍ مَكَّنَّاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مَا لَمْ نُمَكِّنْ لَكُمْ Do they not see, the lesson is for all of us, do they not see how we have destroyed those before them whom we gave much more power on earth, much more power and wealth and might on earth and strength and we still destroyed them because of their sins and because they transgressed. Take a look at Fir'aun, the Pharaoh. Can anybody put up a pyramid like he put up? The answer is no. Even with all our sophistication, we cannot. Take a look at the people of Ad and Thamud and how powerful they were. Allah says they used to just thumb out the mountains into homes. Amazing with their hands. They used their hands and they, they made mountains as their own homes. Can anybody do that today? With sophisticated tools and with lots and lots of assistance of whatever advancement we have, we still cannot do that. We might make that whole, but they, the temperature was right, everything was correct, the angle which the sun came from was right, whatever else in terms of the masterpiece that they had made is applicable, was there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all understanding. So Allah says, look at that example. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that on the day of Qiyamah, we will resurrect absolutely everyone. And we will ask a question to those who associated partners with us. We will say, bring all your partners, let's see. Where are they? And the answer will come, no, ya Allah, we didn't associate partners with you. Allah says, but we sent a warning. Look at you how you are lying. On the day that we resurrect all of them together. Then 
Allah says, we will ask those who associated partners with us, where are all those partners you associated with us? Bring them forth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they will answer, Wallahi rabbina ma kunna mushrikeen. Wallahi, oh our Rabb, we were not mushriks. We didn't associate partners. Allah says, Unzur kayfa kathabu ala anfusihim. Look at how they are lying against themselves. Do they think that they are going to get away with this type of lies? Allah says in another place in the Quran, when that happens, we will then seal their mouths and their hands will talk to us and their feet will talk to us, their skin will talk to us and then they will tell their skins, why did you bear witness against us? Weren't you our own skins? They will tell their skins, why did you bear witness against us? Imagine, if we were to talk to our skins, I think we would be sent to hospital. But Allah says, nay, it's a reality. The skin, don't think that it's something that's not going to bear witness for you or against you. Wallahi, your eyes will bear witness for you or against you. May Allah safeguard us and forgive us. Your ears will bear witness as to what you heard and what you did. Your feet will bear witness and mine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let all these faculties of ours bear witness for us and not against us. Ameen. Ameen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about how He is able to take away absolutely everything. He is all able. He can take away the sight. He can take away the ears. Nobody can bring it back. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ سَمْعَكُمْ وَأَبْصَارَكُمْ وَخَتَمَ عَلَى قُلُوبِكُمْ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِهِ What a powerful verse. Allah says, take a look. If Allah decides to take away the faculty of hearing, the faculty of sight, and to seal your hearts, to close your hearts, who besides Allah can bring that back to you? Allah says, no one, nobody at all. Even everybody, all the kuffar and the muslimin and everyone on earth will admit that it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone who can bring that back. And after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the story of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam with his father Azar. That he got up and he questioned his father, Oh my father, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the father answered Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam continued questioning. The father knew that what he was doing was wrong and he kicked his son out of the home. From this we learn a lesson. Sometimes when people decide to choose the correct religion, they are persecuted. They are kicked out of their own homes by their own families. Don't let that lead you astray or don't let that deter you from the truth because it has happened to those better than myself and yourselves. Sometimes when a young girl in our own homes wants to put on a scarf, the mother says, stop dressing like a nun. Allah protect us. Imagine deterrence from your own parents. A young boy wants to grow his beard and the father says, hey, stop looking like a terrorist. Allah protect us. What is this? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us. Wallahi, these are statements that we get young people telling us that look, Sheikh, this is what people are saying. Look. And this is what my mother is saying. Let them develop in their spirituality. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us all. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks right at the end about how important it is. At the end of the verses we read tonight. How important it is for us not to mock and joke about anyone else's religion or beliefs. No matter what. 
No matter what. If they draw cartoons about us, we never draw cartoons about them. Never ever. Even if they worship stones and sticks, no problem. We will not mock and joke about their belief. We are concerned about what we are doing. Why? For a simple reason. If we begin to mock and joke about their Bible or about the sticks and stones that are being worshipped and so on, it will result in them mocking and joking about us and we would be the cause of it. So indirectly, we would be responsible. But if they do it on their own, we are not responsible. They are responsible. They will face the wrath of, the, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Allah says, وَلَا تَسُبُّوا الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّوا اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ Don't ever mock, swear at, or joke about those who are worshipping gods besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they may then do the same with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a result and we would be guilty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to respect ourselves. And may He grant us the ability to respect one another. And may He grant us the ability to promote this deen in a positive manner, not in a negative manner. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the ability to respect every human being and have hope in our hearts that one day this person will get guidance. Remember, no matter how astray a person is, if we make dua for them and we try, it is in Allah's hands to turn that heart. Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qulubana ala deenik. Oh Allah, the one who turns the hearts, the one in supreme control of the hearts, grant our hearts a turning towards the deen and not away from it. Until we meet again, wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallahi bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu